Socrates said, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. On this weekend episode of the Coach and Coordinator Podcast, we focus on knowing your own tendencies and what to do with it, that information. Self-scouting can be beneficial for any team at almost any level in knowing your tendencies and what your opponent is going to anticipate from you should be used to your advantage. And it's something that I see as tendencies are opportunities, right? As you think about those and, and we get into this, think about tendencies that way. It's not good or bad. It's actually an opportunity if you know what to do with it. So let's break down first some things that you need to do to be able to run a good self-scout report. I think that you get good information by about three games in, and you can start to see really who you are. Certainly this can be done after one game. It can be done after two. But I want to start looking at who are we as a team? What does the opponent really see us as? So we have our perceptions of what we might be on offense or defense, and we want to see if that holds true when we look at the numbers because that's what the opponent is going to do. They're going to break you down. They're going to look at those numbers and you want to almost get into their head and how they're going to think about you. We mentioned last weekend about going into your efficiencies and an important part of that being entering that data. So if you're doing that with the efficiencies, you can also use that data to develop your self-scout reports. You need to first think about what are your league rules? How are you exchanging film? I think in today's day and age, a lot of people now just put those up in the exchange and teams will go in and take that uh, when they're playing you. I would say for the most part, though, that teams look at the last three games and what you've done, but you also have to consider some things like what does the opponent do? How similar are they to us? Might this opponent that we're playing have gone back and used, uh, instead of the last three, maybe three recent ones that were more like us, right? So determine how close those are. If I'm running an offense that, let's say, is 11 personnel uh, spread, and the previous two of the previous games I see a defense lined up against, let's say, wing T, it's, it's probably not going to be uh, a good help for me when I'm breaking that down. So you also have to consider, you know, if that opponent is going to look at you in a certain way, um, depending on the kind of team that you face. Maybe if I'm an offense, they might go through and look at the uh, even front teams that we played because they're an even front team, right? So you have to take those things into consideration as you put together a self-scout for a particular opponent. But I think just looking at it in general and keeping this data as you move through the season helps you better understand who you are in certain situations, areas of the field, personnel groups, etc. I think this coupled with that information that you're getting some of it from some of the efficiency reports is going to help you put together a very good game plan. So let's think about this then. The data's in. We're running those reports. What are some of the things we want to look at? Well, I think whether you're offense or defense, uh, the situation is important. And I know when I'm breaking down a defense, I'm looking at basically those areas I have on my call sheet. First and 10, second and long, second and medium, third downs in all those categories. What happens on second and short? What happens on third and short? What do they do on fourth down? What do they get as they get closer to the goal line? 
right? So they want to understand my thought process and how we're going to attack a defense as we're going through it. So you want to take that kind of approach as well. What do they see you as, as you're looking at those things? So you'll start to see patterns develop. Sometimes you're aware of these. Sometimes they slip by, you don't know you're calling a game a certain way, but they'll start to show up. So you're really looking at those strong correlations to any of those situations and how you might be broken down. I always, you know, I used a lot of personnel groups, so I did want to know what was the tendency for a certain personnel group. And that's where we were able to to do some things to break those tendencies, right? We did have personnel tendencies that we were able to utilize to our advantage and create some big plays off of. All right, so it is about knowing what you do in those situations. Three games should be able to tell you the picture. I think you could do it with two. You know, one is probably not going to really give you that, but I think the three-game data helps. And then keeping that running tally over the course of the season, and and you're going to be able to look at uh, who we've become, what things obviously that we're good at, what we like to do in certain situations, right? That's the general overview. On the defensive side of the ball, it's certainly the same, right? You're, you're gonna, uh, they're going to look at your front, right? What are the fronts that you're playing? What are your coverages? What are your favorite pressures? I always like to look at, and this, is, this was especially true for the odd front teams who, who did a good job disguising where pressure was coming from. What was the percentage of three-man pressure, four-man pressure, or five-man pressure we're going to see? Sometimes you even get into the six-man pressure, right? When is that going to happen? In uh, putting together a defensive scouting report, I also looked at uh, the down and distance. So we know overall, this is kind of who you are. This is your DNA. This is what you like to play as a base. But as we get into down and distance, what do your calls look like? Right? So that's what you want to be able to break down and understand. On first and 10, here's what I like to call, or here's what I call this percentage of the time. If it's a very high percent, certainly they're going to look at that as a tendency. Right? The, uh, the area of the field is another place where I would identify what you're like. So I have a scouting report that uh, I did the last two seasons. I I did this for, uh, or actually three seasons, did it for the local high school team. And one of the pages of basically a five-page scouting report I'd put together was a picture of the field and each field zone broken down. So starting from the goal line coming out, you know, what, what did I expect as an offensive coordinator looking at this Right, what were they going to do? So, in this particular example, we would see some bear and they wanted to spill everything. They did play some cover zero in those situations. If we went 10 and 11 personnel, we could expect tight and they were going to play primarily a coverage from their cover four family. When we went into the area from the 10 yard line all the way up to the 50, we found no significant variation in, in what we saw in their overall calls, right? And what we identified as their base and overall percentages. As we cross the 50, we want to look at that too. Sometimes it changes when a team starts getting closer. They cross the 50-yard line, it might signal, you know, time to do something else to, you know, we're bending, but let's not break. Uh, So we would go there up to uh, the 35, right? Typically, that's the four-down territory. So 35, or what people sometimes call high red zone, you know, that four-down territory, 
what did we expect there? In this particular one, we expect a tight front cover four. Not a lot of pressure though, right? Four-man pressure is 46% of the time. Then as we hit the 20 is where we saw that change. We expected tight, four-man pressure, cover four family, and it was all from the edge. They wanted to send Ed pressure. That's what they like to do in that situation. As we got inside the five, it, it went to man coverage, zero, right? So where, where are those points where you change? Teams are going to look at that when you're, you're calling a defense. You have to decide are we good enough to stick with those tendencies and win or against some other people? Do we need to change things up? Do we have to do something maybe that's not expected to you know, beat this particular offense? The point being, whether you're offense or defense, there's things that you like to do and things that you tend to call in those situations. As I said before, sometimes it's intentional. You know about it. Sometimes you didn't realize you were doing it. Either way, when those numbers come up high and people start to see a pattern, it's an opportunity then for you to do something. I'd look at it this way. Do I want to break that tendency right now or do I want to continue with it? Maybe I don't want to break it until we get to a different part of our schedule. Uh, maybe I want to balance that out right now to be able to come back to that tendency of what I like to really do later. Those are things you need to determine. You might even look at something that doesn't have a tendency right now, not high correlation that we're going to do this in this area and develop it so later on you've set somebody up to break those kinds of things. It's always something that we would look at, right? We wanted to see where those opportunities were. We wanted to know what can we do, what can we put in a game plan or start getting ready for maybe a few weeks down the road in order to break those tendencies in a big game. Okay, so identifying those things are most important. And then it's what, what do we do with that information? Just because a te- you have a tendency doesn't mean you need to break it, right? But what are you setting up over the course of a season, a series of games that allow you to do something? You know, some of our play actions, if we were heavy run on a first down or second down, let's say, we'd always go into it saying, you know, we don't have to go and run the ball you know, on first and second down, and then go to the play action. We've already set it up. They already know that these are our top three plays, and these are the primary things that we're going to do. Now we could go with play action. Or uh, we had a wildcat group, right? Never threw out of it when we were in that wildcat with our uh, 12 personnel in there as well. It was always run with the quarterback. We got into a certain game. We started working it a couple weeks before where we had a play action shot off of it. We hit it big for a touchdown in that particular game because we were ready to break that tendency. So think about it those ways. It's something worth doing. The the time it requires for you to put your call sheets in and and that down and distance uh, is about a half an hour and then you can pull that data. I always like to, I know you could get the huddle reports For me, I like to be able to do sorts, so I would export those into Excel and do a lot of different sorts there in order to get those those numbers and look at those tendencies. Uh, But I think you certainly, if if you do like the huddle reports and the graphics they put together, you can use those as well. You don't want to overwhelm yourself with data. You need to know what to do with that data, right? You need to be able to make the determination this is what I know about us. This is probably what they know about us. What are we going to do with it? So just a quick one here this week and some some thoughts on that self-scout. 
again, look at it as, as developing opportunities, right? See, see what those things are. Where can you take advantage of somebody down the line? I think that's going to help you put together a better game plan. If you feel like you don't have the time to do it, assign it to somebody. Uh, I think a lot of times taking your freshman coach or your JV coach and assigning them that responsibility and and telling them, hey, I want to know who we are. I want you to think from their point of view and tell me what is it that they're seeing and tell me what you think they would do to stop it, right? So I think that's helpful. You don't have to put all this work on yourself. I think it's probably a little bit more valuable to be able to, to take somebody else on the staff or your lower staffs because they're not with you all the time necessarily and have, have them give that input to them. And it's a good way to prepare them, right? For those, those guys who are your younger coaches in your program right now, maybe want to be the coordinator someday to get them to see those kinds of things as well. So it, it helps develop your coaching staff. Uh, if you have any questions on this, we, we certainly have some resources from past. I'll put, try to put some of those links in the show notes. Uh, would love to hear some of the things that are affecting you in season, and, and we'll look to put together some podcasts on those too. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski. DM me there. Email me at Keith at coachingcoordinator.com as well. And follow all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com. 